Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Frederick Campus. Good to see you. Niwad Campus, everybody online. It's good to have you. Thanks for taking some time on your Sunday to hang out with us. We are starting a brand new series today. We'll, we'll jump into that in just a second. But as Sean said just a little while ago, welcome to 2021. And 2020 was for sure a tough year. It was a tough year. It's a difficult year. Uh, it's interesting. I read an article this, this past week from the Washington Post. A couple of weeks ago, they did a survey with all their readers and they asked their readers, hey, if you could describe 2020 in one word, what word would you choose? If you could describe 2020 in one word, what word would you choose? Some of you just thought about a cuss word, and none of those words are in there. Uh, and here's, it's interesting, here's just some of the words that uh, made it into the top five, right? These are the top five words from their survey. The number one word uh, that people said was exhausting. 2020 was exhausting. Number two was lost. Three was chaotic. Four was relentless. And five was surreal, surreal. Uh, and, and I think if we go back a year, if we were at this time back in 2020, imagine if I was up here and just said, guys, get ready. It's going to be an exhausting year, right? I mean, we never think those things at the beginning of the year. We always think the best, that this year is going to be better than last year. And yet we can all own the fact that a year later, that 2020 was a tough year. It's also interesting, and I thought it was kind of funny, that the number one phrase, if you could use a phrase to describe uh, 2020 in this the same survey the number one phrase was you're muted you're muted you're muted you're muted and if you get on zoom calls you get that all right so uh, it was a year for sure it was filled with uh trauma it, it was filled with division outrage heartache in fact i would argue at least in my lifetime it was a year that all those uh, characteristics of 2020 were all happening at such a high level in, in such a short amount of time. I've never seen anything like it. 2020 was, it was tough. But, but about halfway through 2020, I started saying uh, this, this phrase, almost to kind of encourage my, myself, and, and yet I really do believe it to be true, that even though 2020 was unexpected, none of us were expecting what we got in 2020, uh, unexpected difficulties lead to unexpected opportunities. Unexpected difficulties lead to unexpected opportunities. You had some opportunities in 2020 that you weren't expecting. And the reason why you had them is because something unexpected happened. And so the difficulties of 2020, yes, we can look back and, and kind of be negative about it, or per, we can shift our perspective and look at it as an opportunity because uh, you and me and our church, we hopefully have learned some things. We were reminded about some things. We renewed maybe even within ourselves, what are the most important things in this life? What are the most important things that you should be valuing in your life? And so you've had the opportunity to be, to be reminded and to ask some really deep and difficult questions. And now you get to launch into 2021, hopefully maybe thinking about some things a little bit differently. Because here's what I know, we all have this in common today. Last year, we learned a lot about ourselves, didn't we? We learned a lot about ourselves, and, and, and it wasn't all pretty. It wasn't all pretty. I mean, COVID revealed some things. It revealed some things, and, and we got to own that. It revealed some stuff in our life, and so this is why we're doing this series, Just Okay is Not Okay, and starting today, and then over the next five weeks, we're going to have six conversations 
that we can look back to in 2020 and say, in the midst when we were having this discussion in 2020, here's what we realized. Here's what 2020 revealed to us. That outside of a COVID year, we don't really have to talk about these things. But then when all of a sudden it hits the fan, you got to talk about it. And here's what we learned, that in, in, in a lot of these discussions, we were just doing okay at best. But just okay in these conversations are not okay. We got to do better. I believe we can be better. And so here's a warning for today. And over the next five weeks, when you show up, you got to put your big boy pants on. Amen? Put your big boy pants on. We got to have some difficult conversations, maybe conversations we wouldn't normally have. But because of 2020, we got to have them. 2020 outed us. And so we got to talk about it. And so you might, might be a little uncomfortable over the next uh, six weeks. Uh, it, you, we might hear some things that might sting or hurt a little bit, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it for you and your relationship with Jesus. It's going to be worth it for our church. And so I want to start us out today to get us into our first discussion. So I've got a, a question for you. I want you to think about this just for a second. Uh, why has COVID, why has COVID been a, a, such a contentious issue for the church. Why has COVID been such a contentious issue for the church, specifically the church? Why has this been such a huge discussion in the midst of the church and especially church people? And, and here's how I would answer that, because here's what I think. You can disagree with me, but I, I think because COVID, uh, it, it revealed a weakness in how many people view the church. It revealed a weakness in how a lot of people view the church. See, here's what we learned. There's a lot of people who think churches only have one purpose. They only have one function. That's the worship service. This is the thing that you're participating in right now. If you're watching online or if you're in the room, there's a lot of people who think the church only has one purpose. It's what's happening right now on, on Sundays. Uh, and uh, Now hear, hear me, I love our church gatherings. I love the opportunity to gather together as the church, right? I'm, I'm for it. I think you should be here more times than not. But there's a whole lot of people who think the only function of the church or purpose of the church is 60 minutes on a Sunday morning. And if you take the worship service or gathering away from those folks who believe that, six, that the 60 minutes on Sunday morning is the only purpose or value of the church, and all of a sudden those folks have nothing because you took it away. And there have been many who have struggled over 2020 in their faith because, because they were in a rhythm of their faith that all they got or all they were encouraged in the context of their relationship with Jesus was 60 minutes uh, in, on a Sunday morning. I heard so many people say over and over again, I know this is a little tongue in cheek, but you know, the conversation of should the church be open or should the church be closed? Friends, the church was never closed. It was never closed. And it would be silly for us to say these phrases and say, well, you know, the church was closed. No, the church wasn't closed because the church isn't a building. The church is a group of people who have something in common. And I think that thing should be Jesus. They're a group of people who have Jesus in common. And because they have something in common that is Jesus, now they're doing something. They're living in such a way that literally has the opportunity to change the world. But here's what we learned in 2020. There's a whole lot of people who think church is just something you go to and you participate in for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning. And those folks were getting blown away in 2020. 
everything began to shake in their life because the only thing kind of encouraging or holding up their faith was an hour of their week. And I can stand up here and argue that even for many of us who, who call ourselves followers of Jesus, it's not even an hour a week because we may only get to a church service one or two or maybe at the most three times a month. In the early weeks of the pandemic, they did a survey with a bunch of pastors, and it was interesting. Here's what they, here's what they learned, that 50% of U.S. pastors thought their church would grow and increase in faith, while the other 50% thought it would remain the same. This is at the beginning of the pandemic. And then six months into the pandemic, 78% of those same pastors said that their church's faith was decreasing. Or staying, at the, or staying the same, and only 22% now said that it was growing. So here's a good question for us. How, how are things going between you and Jesus? How's your relationship doing? How, how did 2020 affect your relationship with you and God? Because there's a lot of numbers and a lot of statistics, and there's a lot of things that would say it's been a tough year for people of Faith And statistically, not many of us can stand here at the end of 2020 and said, I grew in my faith over the last 12 months. So I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm curious if, if there might be some folks who are listening today who would go, you know what, in 2021, I, I want to experience something different. I like to get a little bit, uh, grow and, and get a little bit more out of my relationship with Christ. And you might go, well, how do you do that? How do you experience something different in 2021 that you experienced in 2020 in the context of your faith? And this is what we talk about today. And here's the phrase I'm going to say over and over again. If you want to experience something different, something better, something more life-giving in your rhythm or relationship with Jesus, then you got to keep first things first. First things first. First things first. It's super important, especially in your rhythm with Christ. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this quote. I love this quote. I need to get it up in my office. It's so good. He, he, he says this, or he says it this way. He goes, put first things first, and second things are thrown in. Put first things first, and second things are thrown in. But put second things first, and you lose first and second things. It's almost worded so well, it's hard to understand. Put first things first, things go well. Put something that should be second first, he says, you lose it all. You don't get first and you don't get second. And so here's confession time. We're in church, right? It's confession time. For many of us in 2020, Jesus was not first. What? Not me. Yes, you. Listen, 2020 outed a lot of us. It was clear on some level that Jesus wasn't first, but Jesus should be first, right? He should be first. It'll be better for you if he is first. Here, here, here's why. If you have your Bible, turn to John 15. I'm going to read you the seventh I am statement of Jesus in the book of John. Jesus will make seven of these statements, and he, all start, he always starts out with saying, I am. Am. So we're going to look at the seventh one. Here, here's some of the ones that he, he, he will say before we get to the one we're going to look at today. Je this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door, or in some versions, he says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. 
I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then we get to the seventh statement in John chapter 15, where Jesus says this, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. And my father, he's the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Look at this, verse 4, remain in me. And I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, here's what we know. The cultivation of vineyards, what was important to the life and the economy of Israel. And so when Jesus begins to use this imagery, he was not introducing something new. It would be very familiar to the people that were listening to it. And it's probably very familiar to you. Let's just try some. Wine comes from what? Grapes. Some of you act like you never had wine before. I, like it. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, wine comes from grapes, and grapes are produced by a grapevine. We, we all know this. My guess is you know this. Now, what you may not know is that if left untrimmed, if, if that grapevine is left untrimmed, it will begin to grow these long woody branches to extend its territory. And if it does that, it, it begins to produce less grapes, not more. And so winemakers, they, they learned really early on that grapevines, they, they need to be tamed. You got to prune the branches so that few buds would be allowed to grow. Because when the trimming is done, the vine is forced then not to expand its territory, but instead to uh, produce more grapes. And so under good conditions of, of sufficient rain and sun, this would result in, in more grapes, which is important if you're a winemaker. And so the lessons here in verses 1 through 3 in John 15 is what Jesus is saying. When, you're left to, uh, when we're left to ourselves, we have a tendency to focus on the wrong things. We tend to get sidetracked, like working to achieve things that don't produce the best results, even though it might feel good. The, the, the vine is taking more territory, and yet it will produce less fruit. And the teaching is... It's pretty straightforward. Jesus is the vine and you and I are the branches. And when a branch is disconnected from the vine, it dries up and it stops producing what Jesus would say is the best thing, which in the context of, of this metaphor is fruit. And many of the images that Jesus uh, and his, uh, he will use with his followers in scriptures, it backs, it, it emphasizes this, the same idea. He just uses different things. Jesus will also talk about the body and its parts. He'll talk about the bride and the bridegroom. He'll talk about uh, the sheep and, and the shepherd. And he'll, he'll make the same point over and over again all through the New Testament. The arm is no good if it is not attached to the body. Marriage creates the union, but it takes love and devotion to maintain it. Any married couples in here? It takes work. Uh, the shepherd, he brings the sheep into the flock, but the sheep must follow the shepherd for protection and provision. Again, you see this rhythm in between these two things. In the same way, J Jesus will say in John 15, you got to put first things first by connecting with Jesus, because without connection, without being tied to the vine, your faith will produce no fruit. And so the key word here in John 15 is the word remain. 
Remain, remain, remain. My version that I read used the word remain. The, the actual Greek word is meno. Meno, which, which literally means this idea to abide. It's used 11 times in John 15, 1 through 11. This Greek word, it carries this idea of, of abiding or dwelling or living or literally making a home. It's as if you were going camping and you found your spot and you said, this is where I am going to stay. This is where I will live. This is where we will meno. This is the place. This is where we will remain or we will uh, abide. And there's this two-way relationship. Jesus says, if you will remain in me, if you will abide in me, then I will remain at you, with you. If you, will, if you will literally be home with me, I will be home with you. It's a two-way street. And it would seem that our 2020 version of faith is oftentimes very different than those of the early church, the different than those who would be hearing Jesus tell this in, in John 15, because I think, okay, just my opinion, you can disagree with me, but I think our idea of abiding is more of a recharge idea than a direct connection. We, we tend to move in the rhythms of our faith just to get, be recharged, but not to stay connected. Think about just think about it like this. Uh, I got, oh, this is awesome. Uh, for, for Christmas uh, this year, somebody got me AirPod Pros, okay? It was amazing, and I loved the gift. It was a huge upgrade, um, but for the sake of this analogy, it's not good. But I loved it, and the person who gave it to me is watching, and I love you. Thank you so much. But before I had AirPod Pros, I had headphones you would just plug into your phone or your computer. Get me? It's wired. And I know that's so like 2015, but that's what I was working with, okay? Using wired headphones. You never had to charge them. If you wanted to use them, they would only work if you would stay connected. You had to be connected to the device. Then all of a sudden, I've got these brand new AirPod Pros, and guess what? You got to charge them. Eventually, you got to plug them back in. And here's what I, and again, I love the AirPod Pros. Thank you so much. They're so much better. But for the sake of the analogy, it is way better to have a direct connection than getting charged every once in a while and living off of that charge. And this is what Jesus is saying. Direct connection is better. Headphones 10 years ago in the context of your faith are better than ones that you have to charge. And if you're only gonna connect with Jesus for an hour on Sunday mornings, then here's what Jesus says. So don't get mad at me, but Jesus says, then you will become like a dead branch that will need to be pruned. That's what Jesus says. You're either connected or you're not. Now, in this whole idea of abiding and remaining, I would remind all of us that, that the goal in your relationship with Jesus is to abide, it is not to achieve. It is to abide, not to achieve. And here's what I also saw in 2020. We will sacrifice abiding on the altar of achievement. We will sacrifice abiding on the altar of achievement because we live in a culture that is very achievement driven. And some of you go, no, we're not. Just look how we parent our kids. When is the last time you and I Sabbathed, which we are called to do, with our family? Not just once a, a year, but what Jesus would call us to is once a week. We don't slow down. We don't rest. 
And yet Jesus would say, you've been called to remain. You have been called to abide. There are so many spiritual rhythms that are directing you to slow down and to stop. Stop talking. Stop reading. Stop watching. Stop typing. Stop posting. And yet we will bypass all of that for the sake of achievement because there's always something that has to be done. There's always something that has to be accomplished. Another side note, parents. Just a little parenting tip. I struggle with this too. You might as well. But parents, we better make darn sure that our kids know that, we are pr- that we're not only proud of them when they achieve something. We better make darn sure that our kids know that we're not only proud of them when they achieve something. Your child needs to know. Your child needs to know that you love to be with them. You just love to be with them because you can give them every opportunity to achieve, but if they don't know that you want to be close to them, uh, you might as well just start saving to pay their therapy bill in about 20 years. The goal is not to achieve. The goal is to abide. Here's what Jesus says, as you abide in me, as I and as you abide in Jesus, I'm a better father. As I abide in Jesus, I'm a better husband. As I abide in Jesus, I'm a better leader. As I abide in Jesus, I begin to look and to act and to talk and to live more like Jesus because there's this direct connection, not just a recharge that happens every once in a while. He keeps going in verse five. Again, this is Jesus, I am the vine. And you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, look at this. You can do, what's the word? Nothing. You can't even do something. Nothing. If you become disconnected, you can do nothing in the context of your faith. Verse six, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and wither. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. They're no good. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Friends, do you hear this? Verse eight, this is to my Father's glory. Do you want to bring glory to God as a follower of Jesus? Hopefully you say yes. Jesus would say to you, well, if you want to bring the Father glory, then you've got to stay connected because the fruit brings him glory, that you bear much fruit. And in all of this, it will show that you are my disciple. Independence, breaking away from God, doing it our way, in our time, living how we want to live. Listen, independence was Adam and Eve's sin. It's nothing new. They wanted to do it their way. And friends, how did it turn out for them? They wanted to be disconnected so they could do what they wanted to do. And Jesus says, no, 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 here's the game plan. There is one vine, that is Jesus. There's millions of these branches. Those are his followers. And hopefully through staying connected, they are bearing lots of fruit. The, 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 one of the main points of the story is this, that you are not the vine. You're not the vine. You are a branch attached to the Vine, And then Jesus begins to get very specific in what is flowing between this vine and branch. Listen to me. This is great news for you and me. 
Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Go down, verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. So, so why would you not? Here's just a good question. Why would you not put Jesus first? If it, because if you do and you stay connected to him, you get, listen what you get. It's a good deal. You get his words, you get his love, and you get more joy. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit more of all of that this year. Jesus seems to think, and, and just about every early disciple seems to think that the most important thing in the context of your faith is making sure that you keep first things first. And you might go, well, how do you do that? Jesus modeled it. He lived it. It's so simple. And yet we blow right past it. Look, look at this. Look at what Jesus did. This is... In, in Mark chapter one, I'll just read to you real quick. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, this is Jesus, got up, he went out, and he made his way to a deserted place or a secluded place. You could even put it in there, a quiet place. And there he was praying. I mean, there's, I'm, there's this kind of stories and stories. And Luke chapter five says this, yet he, this is Jesus, withdrew to the deserted place or the secluded place or the quiet place and he prayed. I mean, Jesus was so radical about finding time to be with the Father, staying connected with him, that even his disciples would oftentimes not even know where he was. Jesus was here and then he was gone. And I bet somewhere along the way, they just would come to the conclusion he must have went to his place. Jesus, there's thousands of people are here and they need you and, they, and he would just leave because he would keep first things first. He found the quiet place. He found the deserted place. He found the place that it would just be him and his father. So how about this? How about in 2021, we fight to keep first things first that ultimately will lead to maybe some of the biggest changes that you could experience over the next 12 months. So here's a three-step, super easy, everybody can do this plan. If you would like to grow in your relationship with Jesus, Maybe we do this. Number one, we stop blaming everyone and everything for why we are where we are in the context of our faith. How about we stop blaming the church and we stop blaming that small group and we stop blaming that Christian and we just own where we are today. How about we own it? How about we stop pointing the finger at everybody else just own it about where our faith is. Because here's what I know. I, I don't connect you to the vine. You connect you to the vine. 
This church, has, man, we want to do everything we can to encourage and equip people who are followers of Jesus to go out and live as they have been called to live, and yet we can't do it for you. And you can complain and bicker about how other people aren't doing what they should be doing, how the church isn't doing what the church should be doing. And friends, here's what I know, that at the end of your life, you will stand before Jesus for how you lived your life. So how about we just stop blaming and bickering and arguing? How about we, and here's number two, how about we just choose to be honest about the distractions that are getting in the way of my time and your time with God? Can we just own it? That most of us are probably addicted to things that we should not be addicted to. And we're gonna give a bunch of excuses about why we don't have time to spend with the Father. But here's what I know, that just about every single person in this room has got a cell phone. And we probably have internet at home. And we have television and Netflix and social media and on and on and on and on. We have time. We've got time. Then how about we get intentional? just like Jesus, we would map out the best time and the best place to connect with God every single day, maybe if it's only for 10 or 15 minutes, to make sure that we are staying connected to the vine. What would happen if all of us really challenged ourselves this year to stay connected to God like never before? Here's what I know, something will happen something and it'll be a good something but the opposite we already know what will happen if we don't nothing nothing keep first things first that's what 2020 taught us and if you put the second thing or the third thing or the fourth thing as the first thing you not only lose the first you lose it all let me pray for us Father, I thank you for the reminder today that in the midst of a tough year with so much going on, emotions running high, stress and anxiety, fear and worry finding its way into the midst of our day-to-day lives. I pray that today we might take a deep breath and push all that aside. And maybe, like never before, fight to be connected to you. Because here's what we know, that our faith, that if it's just left to 60 minutes on a Sunday morning, they cannot handle a pandemic. It's tough to live in, in the midst of difficulty, hardship. And so I pray that your church this year would jump in, fight not for less, but for more time with you, that we may see greater fruit that would bring you glory. That's our prayer for this year. May we fight and search for the time and the place to be with you. That's our heart and that's our prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's why we're here today. Without him, we would be lost. We thank you for the cross and the resurrection that would follow. It's why we've gathered to set our affection upon you. 
We love you. We thank you for all that you've done in and through this church and our lives. And we pray for more. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. And the church said, amen.